0: Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum Podcast, where each episode we check out a Netflix original film in the order of release. For this episode, we are up to Netflix 146th film. It's going back in time a little bit to 2017. It's a fantasy comedy drama unicorn store it's directed by brie larson also stars her as well as samuel l jackson joan cusack bradley whitford karen sony mamudu athi and mary holland as well as hamish link late i am jesse and i'm here with mj
1: how are you i'm good mate i think you're fine is it hamish link later yeah something like that love how you (laughs) you chucked him right at the end like you could have just not said him (laughs)
0: I could have? Did I drop the R? I think I dropped the R. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's all good. I was, I stumbled a bit. I was like, oh, went threw me off because I had Brie Larson written down as well as in it. I'm like, no, no, I don't need to say that twice. And then I was like, off from there. So <laughs> it's
1: all you good. could have said it twice. Directed by Brie Larson and starring Brie Larson. Could have. Um, oh well, we slipped. <laughs> it's all good.
0: How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, I. It's good to. And I think I mentioned this last week. Um. Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson back together again uh, for
1: another film, and yeah, I'm trying to do the math though. Would they have done because this obviously was probably filmed in 20 was filmed in 2016. Would they have done this before Captain Marvel? Yes, I think so. They would have. Uh, yeah, yeah, they would have. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. And then this was obviously released just in time for when the Avengers films are coming out. I guess as well, uh, mm. jump on that bandwagon of um, of Brie Larson. Yeah, smart Netflix. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with our Fast Flicks where we do our quick little summary of, of what it's about. <laughs> start us off.
1: All right. Unicorn Store is about a woman trying to grow up and live her life the way she thinks society wants her to, but she's tempted back into the magic of childhood with the prospect of owning her own unicorn. Yeah, that's nice. I really struggled
0: with this one because I'd, I've literally got your first sentence. I'm like, "This is a story about growing up." That was all. I was like, "I can't think of anything else." So I, I was struggled. I struggled massively. That's fine. Was, yeah, but obviously, it does involve um, unicorns and unicorn stores and <laughs> um, the monotonous life that we could have. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about how this one was put together and and how
1: you know we got it two years after it was actually released yeah that's it and we have sorry we're already spoken about a little bit in fact i don't know what i'm going to say here but i am just going to do the spoiler alert nice and early just in case i do slip into something i shouldn't say Good. we are going to spoil this film uh during the conversation that we have so if you haven't seen unicorn store and you'd like to see unicorn store uh, i would recommend watching it prior to listening to us but then come back and listen to us because then you can yes. enjoy it on another level so definitely come, um, back. come back yeah definitely come back that'd be great sorry i should have yeah definitely come back um So Unicorn Store is an interesting story of how it came to be. Um, It seems to me that uh, the the script and even the project itself have been kicking around for quite a while um, prior to it actually being made. Uh, And and Brie Larson herself actually auditioned for the role of Kit back in 2012. And at that that point, uh, Miguel Arteta was attached to direct the project. She didn't get the role, obviously. Um, And the project itself basically just fell apart. Uh, from what I can gather, Rebel Wilson was actually reported, reportedly set the star in that, uh, I can only assume that she was in the role of Kit, um, but nothing happened, That, that nothing happened with that, um, with that project. So a couple of years later, Brie Larson gets a tap on the shoulder to see if she actually wants to direct it. Um, She then went back with screenwriter Samantha McIntyre, worked on the scripts, uh, sort of did a few rewrites and that went on for about a year and then off they went to the races. So the film got sold nice and quickly and they were basically making it straight away. So Brie Larson personally felt this connection uh, to the story, particularly around those moments of the magic of creativity and having a, a childlike voice and it's okay to speak up with that childlike voice. So she was really keen to take on this being her directorial debut, um, and also decided to star in the film, which I think was more Samantha McIntyre's idea. The screenwriter thought that Brie Larson should do it. Um, So principal photography began in November 2016 in LA, uh, and it concluded on the 9th of December in 2016, so shot for a few weeks. And then it had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on the 11th of September 2017. And then a whole lot of nothing happened. So a lot of times when films do uh, premiere at film festivals, they tend to wait and see if any distributor is going to pick them up. Uh, In this case, it took over a year for any distributor to come on board. And then it was announced on the 9th of Jan, 2019, that Netflix had picked up the worldwide distribution rights. And then it was released on Netflix uh, worldwide on the 5th of April, 2019. So that's kind of why we're doing a 2017 film that was released in 2019 because it actually did premiere in 2017.
0: Very, very nicely put. As usual, you've, you've covered off a lot of the stuff that I guess that we can talk about. I mean, the only other things that I could sort of add is, and we saw this a lot um, when Netflix were sort of starting off to build their catalog of, of films that they'd often go to these, these film festivals or um, to, to pick up, films and obviously this one played and they didn't pick it up straight away but at the end of the credits this one was supported by that Sundance Film Institute that um, we saw quite early on where that they fund and help um, put together a lot of films so um, yeah that was how helped with this one being put together I guess a little bit we did mentioned that you know it played at tiff in 2017 2019 netflix it did play at the edinburgh film festival in 2018 as well so in the middle there in june um and just sort of uh had, an, had another screening um at a, at a film festival and and we go off from those film festivals this is this this is the only place that it's it's picked up any nominations for any awards so it, it did um it was nominated at both the festivals at edinburgh for an audience an audience award for brie larson and then at tiff as well for the best canadian first feature film for brie larson as well so two two nominations for her didn't win either of them um but obviously you know th- this was sort of i guess made as a little bit of an indie film uh, to start off with and, and possibly not necessarily gonna hit i don't know it's got a big cast but not necessarily gonna yeah, hit, hit that mainstream um mainstream circuit the I, I did look it up the the title for this one there's only one other good translation that i could find uh, all right and this, this was in hungarian it was at hungarian it was called my glittering dream and i like that title Ooh. i thought it was i thought it was quite nice um yeah, was- I'll, give I'll allow that because Glitter does play a big part in this and obviously does, Dreaming does as well. So I actually like that title. I thought it was uh, a good little take on it because Unicorns Tour is a, it's a very um, out there sort of title, I guess, mm. um, when, when you're thinking about it, but the context of the film, it, it does fit well. And um, the other thing I've got here too, is that at the start, there's a lot of footage um, playing like these home recordings or home video, VHS sort of stuff. And apparently these are, this is actual footage from Brie Larson's family, um, sort of a vault I guess of actual footage of her when she was a little kid so nice little touch there that she was able to to bring that in as well
1: yeah Um, can I just say one of the things that you and I would both look at when we're doing a little bit of research on the film after we watched it is obviously look at IMDb on the trivia section and pretty often there's some good stuff there that you're like oh that's that's interesting I didn't know so and so you know tried to get a role in this film I didn't know this happened that happened I read one on here which was absolutely deplorable, and I just want to call it
0: out. I agree with you so much <laughs> because half the ones on there were written so poorly. It was like a five year old had written them, like the, the grammatical errors, and it was just like, this is rubbish.
1: Like this. <laughs> well, this- you know, <laughs> the users can click on it and say whether they found it interesting or not. And most of the time, you'll say, you'll see, like, you know, 50 out of Fifty-five people found this interesting. This one was fourteen out of seventy-six found this interesting. And and listen, this in this film, Kit in brackets, Brie Larson builds a special shed stable in her backyard. In Room, twenty fifteen, Brie Larson's character is held captive in a shed for seven years. And I, it, how does that get published at IMDb? And then why do 14 people find that interesting? That is the loosest connection I've ever found between films. And it's just awful. But I had to bring it up.
0: I, I, based on looking at a lot of the, the social medias and, and the internet for this, I think Brie Larson has this little fan base that are pretty um active on the online community. So I think that they try to draw a lot of strings wherever they are. Like on Letterboxd, a lot of the – I went through to check out a lot of the reviews and um, – some of the comments are literally just like Brie Larson's the best, five stars. I love Brie Larson; she's, she's <laughs> amazing. Five stars. Oh, director of the year. She's going to make more movies. Bang, bang, bang. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, right. I think that sometimes the, the the picture of what's going on can be distorted a little bit when um, there are certain celebrities that have a huge fan base. I guess. Um, and I guess that Netflix will will appreciate that because yeah. like, bang, we've got a, a marketable star that, that has a, a fan base. We're going to get eyes yeah. watching this. The movie star factor is a very real thing. Yes, it sure is. Well, let's talk about the consensus then. What did, what did you find out?
1: Yeah, on, on IMDB, it's it's sitting in a 5.5 5 out of 10. That's from 18,000 ratings. So, I, I, you know, it's not great. It's not a great score. Uh, Letterbox is actually a lot better. Three out of five with thirty, nearly thirty-seven and a half thousand ratings. So I don't know whether what you just said then about Brie Larson's online following is really heavy on Letterbox or this just appeals more to the Letterbox fan because you know we're talking more than double of the people on have actually rated this on Letterbox and even IMDb, which is backwards from what we normally see. And a three out of five is is a pretty good score for especially for someone in directorial debut. So. It's kind of hard to put your finger on where this film sits, but hopefully you have some more data on this as well. I do. Just leading onto Letterbox, I sort of last night as I was looking
0: into putting this together and I, I sort of got stuck in this little little tunnel or barrel of this, this <laughs> uh, like Brie Larson, Brie Larson, Brie Larson. So someone had <laughs> decided to... Uh, put on Letterbox like her first short film that she made when she was maybe eight or nine years old, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll give I'll give it a quick watch." And um it's literally, I think her dad's got a camcorder, and she's obviously telling him what to do because she's got the directing credit for it, and it's a horror <laughs> short film of her being chased by a can of Mountain Dew, um, <laughs> and. I was just like, a ha- like a bit, I'm you know, it's, it's got such a everyone on Letterbox is like, oh, you know, such 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 vision for such a young kid and all this sort of stuff. And it's like a, a can, <laughs> it's like a can of Mountain Dew on a park bench, and she starts running. She runs towards a fence, and then there's a can of Mountain Dew on the fence. I'm like, you know, good honor for for doing this at, at a young age. She also yeah, had yeah. A, a passion for it when she was young, but to for people to be like, you know, this is her first first directing role. It's like a little uh, what film a that you make as you're a kid. You know, like oh uh, god.
1: Anyway, um, yeah. back to the, the I love time. the idea of that though I love the yeah. idea of her And She said that in her school holidays or whatever She would just like make film productions With her cousins and she'd like set up her Basement with you know however She wanted to set the film so that's great I love hearing About that kind of passion and I actually I want to check out this Mountain Dew um, This movie now the short yeah, film. Give, give, give it a give it a, a check out. I know you won't <laughs> rate it on Letterboxd because it's a short film, but um,
0: just give, it a, give, give it a watch. Um, the only other one, obviously, we've got to talk about Rotten Tomatoes because that's where you know ninety nine percent of the the general public will check out a film to see whether it's worth watching, and it's got a sixty four percent from the critics, and that's on eighty seven reviews, so it's fresh, not certified. Mm. Um, The audience a lot lower, forty two percent, and that's on over a thousand reviews. So, uh yeah obviously a little bit of a disparity between what the the critics think and what the audience thinks on this one
1: it's hard to figure out if people like
0: it or not i i, I really cover my finger on it from all that stuff yeah i think it's either like you really enjoy this and get into it or you don't uh i, I think it's yeah. like one of those films that is polarizing um yeah. but let's let's talk about our early thoughts and what, what are your early thoughts for this one
1: yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I can't wait to hear what you thought about it. But for me, I've, I've been really looking forward to watching this. I remember when it first came out and I, I knew it seemed like it was right up my alley. I, I just had so much trouble getting into it, like so much trouble. I wasn't sure if it was just poorly put together or it was supposed to have this cartoonish feel to it. But either way, I, I really wasn't liking it. And it kind of, it kind of got itself into a bit of a groove. And I did end up connecting with it a lot more. And I think I like what this movie was trying to do. I, I love the idea of following your heart, not losing the magic of your childhood, and there were times when that really shone through, but it was a really clunky journey trying to get there. I am going to say exactly the same thing that you said just in different words. Um,
0: <laughs> I absolutely hated the first half of this, the first oh, half. Of this, the first half of this film, it was awkward. I actually felt anxious because I like Brie Larson and I want to do well. And I just thought, how can you direct this and put yourself in this role when like it was just such yeah. a an awkward mess? Um, because it, it, like you mentioned, it, it was like they were stuck between these the situations of the make believe world and and the real world. And it just didn't quite fit. It was like, you either need to commit to one the whole way through or, 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 you know, don't, don't just try and mix it up. Um, and cause it was confusing as an audience. You're like, you're sitting there going, hang on, am I supposed to be in on this world and, and believe it? And there's so many things throughout that sort of just continually change that up. Um, and I think for this one, and like I mentioned before, with the the disparity between the critics, I think you needed to be in this from the get go if you're going to like it. And mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't because I wasn't sure how serious I should have been taking it. And <laughs> I don't want to sound too critical though because the second half um, it did get better. Um, I just think that the the this <laughs> I just think that it could have been more um, of that same tone either from the first half or the second half and just stick that whole way through. That's where I'm at.
1: it's 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 interesting we feel the exact same way i like what you said about feeling anxious i think i I think i probably did as well without even knowing it i i I was just like oh this isn't working please make it work make it work make it work and it just Mm -hmm. wasn't yeah that's really really good call yeah Uh, yeah all right let's talk about
0: some characters there's there's a whole range of people i don't know how far we're gonna go in this one but Uh, start us off with
1: where you want to go yeah so with kit played by brie larson and probably one of the reasons i had trouble with this movie was because i had so much trouble with this character um I just wasn't sure if she was swept up in dreams and magic of her childhood or she's someone who actually hasn't grown up. Like she literally has the intellect of a child. And I I was really unsure. And I still kind of am unsure what it was actually supposed to be because she seems to switch between the two. And to be honest, the difference between those two make two very different movies. If you're talking about someone who is, you know, smart enough and wise enough but still reflective enough to understand that the magic of your childhood is important and great. And try and live in that way. You can, that that's, that's one person, but sometimes she felt like someone who seriously was, was stuck as like an 11 year old. And in all aspects of her life, she was an 11 year old, in know, in a fully grown woman's body. So, uh, and that sort of stuff was the stuff that really didn't work for me, but then she dips out of that every now and then I'm like, who is this person? So I'm, I'm, I'm confused with her. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying 100% because you've got
0: that idea where you know she loves the rainbows, the unicorns, the care bears and all that sort of stuff and and you don't know whether like you're trying to work out it. Is she struggling like with a mental capacity and, and things like that. But then you see it in the outside world and it's like everything in the outside world stunted as well. So especially like the office mm. place and things like that. So I didn't know whether to take it as that's just what the world's like, or that's what society's like rather than her. And like you mentioned, it, it becomes confusing because it, she has, you have this idea that she feels rejected. She feels rejected by her parents, all that sort of stuff. She's awkward in these social situations, doesn't have any friends. And, and she does have this, she identifies that um she wants to grow up and for me the realization for her is like well if i do a nine-to-five job i'll please my parents i'll do what society tells me i need to do i can push for what i want you know she pushes that i want to do this presentation i want to get full-time mm. work and then you know the this whole unicorn store and and the salesman dude sort of helps her realize maybe you don't necessarily need that but then it's confusing for me too because to be successful in life you do have to have some sort of drive but that that wasn't resolved for us like her work situation wasn't mm. resolved it was like oh, i've left and that's it i'm happy because I'm, I'm not going to work so so is she going to just feed off her parents for the rest of her life but then you have this whole thing where she's got this angst against her parents that i felt was really unjustified because you know they mm. seemed really supportive a little bit weird maybe um but mm. just didn't see it right that she like the the big thing for her was this trauma from her parents who actually seemed like yeah a little bit out there, but they weren't horrible to her. They didn't. They didn't yeah. like beat her or anything like that. It just it, the whole character just didn't fit right. It's confusing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Be, I what, think, else
1: let, let's. I was. Let's go to her parents now because I think you you segue really nicely there. So you got Gladys and Jean. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bundle them together because I, I think f- they did have some similar issues as Kit in terms of whether they were a little bit delusional and, and cartoonish. Uh, in their treatment of their daughter. Obviously, when that, that guy comes over for dinner, like it was just, I, I felt like I was seven years old watching a cartoon being like, oh, look at this guy's this. You should do like, it was just too much. Um, but then they had these moments, as you said, of caring and really empowering parenthood. And again, it just confused me because I'm like, okay, so these guys do have this capacity to be fully functioning, empowering parents. But then sometimes they're just like really kiddish and part of a cartoon that I feel like I'm watching a different show at times. So I had similar issues with them because they, they again, showed signs of you know, normality and then showed signs of, uh, okay, this is just a different world that exists and I got to get myself into this world. And then I'm like, oh, no, I don't have to get myself into this world because I think it's actually the reality that I live in. But I just, yeah, it confused me as well. I'm the same. I, b-
0: I bunched them together too. I was like, you can't talk about them separately because they were that, you know, super awkward too, just like kids. So it's like, okay, they're, mm. they're a part of the same family, but I think that the thing that confused me the most, like, you know, they might've been a little bit overprotective or, but they still wanted the best for her. I think that their issue, the, the main issue with them was their profession. Like they were almost like counselors for young people. So, you know, they're, they're good at their job, but they're not good with their daughter, but we haven't seen any evidence of them them not actually being able to support their daughter. So Mm -hmm. I think that if they had have given them a different job or or a lesser role in the film, rather than having these campfire kumbaya sort of sessions that, you know, you see them actually caring for other kids and doing a good job with them. And maybe it would have suited a little bit better, but the, the first 10 minutes, like you mentioned with this dinner with this Kevin dude and all this sort of stuff, it really reminded me there's this film from last year called Kajillionaire. And same sort of setup. You've got really awkward parents, awkward kids, just done so much better. So if you, if you, if you okay. want to see a good film, check out Kajillionaire. Um, but this film, The Start, really reminded me of that. Maybe I was comparing it because I was like, this
1: is so poorly done compared to what that was. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. We're on the same page again. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to, I want to go to Virgil. Is it Virgil or Virgil? I think it's Virgil and she keeps calling him Virgil. Virgil. Yeah, I think so too. Anyway, I didn't mind him because he's probably the only character who felt semi-relatable. Like, he handled these bizarre situations similar to how I would. uh, And I appreciated that relatability in a film that I'm still not sure was grounded in reality or not. (laughs) Um, But I have to say, I didn't really love his acting. I, I thought he was wooden and I thought... He seemed like he was really trying hard to act natural and casual. I thought he was okay, but it just stood out for me a little bit, despite the fact that I did like this character. But the fact that he was based in reality confused me even more as I didn't know what, what was real and what wasn't because he seemed to be pretty real.
0: I really liked that you, uh, you mentioned his acting as wooden because it fits in well with his hardware store job. Um, because I, I, <laughs> I, I, never, I, I never bought that he was interested in her one little bit. I thought he was like no. the the stereotypical gay friend that you see in a lot oh. of these films. And that like, so the whole love connection and and that towards the end really fell apart for me because I was like, this guy is just meant to be a like, you know, he's over the top and he fits in well with the film. Cause he's this over the top sweetness, which, you know, this whole film is, but he was too kind. There was no, good in, to, a, yeah. in a film, in a film like this, you're used to seeing some downs and outs and um he never did anything negative or wrong. He was just, I'll support you. I'll support you. There's an answer for this. Well, let's get through this. And I wanted to see a little bit more shade in his character, I guess, rather than just this. I'm sweet. Check me out. That's fair. I like that. Yeah. All right. Next.
1: I I honestly don't have anyone else. I'm happy to bring up anyone that you want to talk about, but I didn't think anyone else was worth bringing up, even the salesman, but I'm sure you probably want to talk about. Yeah, I've I, I've got Gary in next. To that creepy boss dude. I just put him in I here. I didn't want to tribute. let him either. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I didn't want to, but I I didn't want to chuck this in the scenes because, but I thought it'd be better to talk about as a character because the over the top interest from him, he sort of you know to start off you you meet him early on and he fits in well with this weirdness that you, you're getting from every character that you met so far, but you, you you see these little references throughout of other women in the office calling him in out calling him out on his behaviour. And then it's sort of just like laughed off by Kit. And you, this might be mentioned later on in the, in the scenes, but it's just laughed off during like this car ride. And, um, you know, oh, am I pretty enough to be sexually harassed? Like what a woeful yeah. character for a character yeah. to actually ask this on screen about another character. It's like, of course that's wrong. Like you don't need to yeah. ask that to the audience. The audience has already worked out that he's a creep. You don't need like, it was just, yeah. I, I, I thought he was, uh,
1: I don't even know if he added anything to the story. It was just, weird That's true. He, he added to the fact that i had no idea whether this was all real or happening in her head or what because at the start i'm like oh, okay so this isn't actually like a real workplace this like this is yeah. like just something that she's created i don't know but i, I think it was
0: <laughs> mm. um, I, i'll chuck the salesman in there just just to finish off because and I, this could be question time anyway but i just wanted like i was so confused whether he was real or not or was he just mm. this magical dude They needed to stick with it the whole way. If he's an imaginary dude, stick with it the whole way because when Virgil at the end meets him, Mm. that just blurs the lines completely. Like, So he's real because Virgil's met him. Like, And then it questions the rest of the the whole backstory of that film. So to me, as good as Samuel L. Jackson was in his limited time on the screen, I just needed a, a constant for that character.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. And I can imagine that being a wider criticism for a lot of people. I actually didn't mind the fact that those lines were blurred because I think the magic of childhood should blur some lines. Um, and you walk away going, so is he real or is he not? Is a unicorn real or is it not? And that's and that's a valid concern. I guess maybe because I wasn't as invested in this film by that point, I was just happy to be like, cool, let's let's just talk about the magic as the magic. And, and Virgil's response you know, just being completely awestruck by it kind of worked for me because I was like, yeah, that's, that's fair. Like, let's not, not dig into it. We don't need to dig into it. Is it real? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe it is. Yeah, fair. All right. Um, Brie
0: Larson is a director, feature debut, a lot of shorts, obviously mainly known for acting, but
1: I don't think there's much else to say. No, exactly. Obviously, a very famous and well accomplished Oscar winning actress. Uh, yeah, and this is her first directorial debut. Apart from the Mountain Dew stuff and the other shorts. That she- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scenes. Just give us some scenes you enjoyed. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've i got this in there. Yeah, I'll bring it. I don't know why I enjoyed this. I, <laughs> I, I laughed once in this film and I shouldn't have even laughed because it wasn't funny. But when she's around the campfire and she's finally talking about it, and she goes, growing up, I never had a pet. And sub guy just goes, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it just caught me off guard. That that was actually quite funny, um, and I guess that's where I was at at that point in the film where I hadn't really enjoyed anything up to that point, point. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know what, I got to call that out. So, um, I did. I did enjoy. Virgil's reaction to hearing about the unicorn. I thought he unpacked it very well. Uh, someone's scamming you. Let's, you know, do something about this. He wasn't, but he also wasn't pushy with her. He was like, okay, let's let's figure this out. I, I thought that was really well done. It wasn't like, quickly, let's go to the cops or just like, you're an idiot. Why are we doing this? I I, I appreciated that side of it. Maybe again, it ties into the fact that he's just a really nice dude. Um, and the only other scene that I liked was the final scene with the unicorn. It, it, it hit all the feels to me. I think for all the misfits growing up and the idea of letting that magic exist in any way you want in order to follow your heart really worked her with the unicorn talking to the unicorn. That was, that was quite an emotional scene and I thought it was done pretty well um, to let the magic flow. So that, that really helped sort of recover the film for me. The film. Good. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I'm similar. I don't have an awful lot. I f- I just want to mention that I think that, that visually every scene was done really well. Like every scene was beautiful from the, the stationery store to the, or the office supply store to each of the rooms of the salesman to her bedroom. I think that um, the colors were just very vibrant and it gave, like, you know, at least the look of the film stayed consistent throughout. So I thought, um, you know, take my hat off to that. Good shout. Um, I didn't necessarily like the, the campfire <clears throat> unicorn story. But the discussion afterwards with Kit and the dad, when her dad, um, you know, the dad acknowledging that he knows that the kids around the campfire are lying in it and it's covering up because sometimes it's easier than the truth and that they all have this sad story. And, you know, so what is it that they're covering up? And I just really liked his call out to her. Like, what what are you covering up? Like, it was just a a nice moment to see the dad actually call her out on her, on, on her actions too. Um, And the only other one I've got, again, it's, it's, it's the discussion with the mum. So she had this good discussion with the dad and then with the mum, they're in the kitchen and, you know, the mum's talking to her about what it means to be a grown-up. And, you know, she tells this story about Kevin falling in the water and, and she's like, you know, I, I know you, I know that that story will make you laugh. And then to for her to walk out the room, or Kit to walk out the room and see that some of her artwork's actually on on the walls um, and that, you know, her parents do appreciate the work that she does. I just really enjoyed that moment too. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All right, what, just what are some things... They're real people,
1: real yeah. empathetic people that we just sometimes didn't see, didn't see that side of it, which was fine because I yeah. thought they were supposed to be cartoony, but they yeah. weren't, so that was no. the confusion. But yeah, they, yeah. yeah they're good calls. Yeah. All right, what are, What didn't you like? Uh, look, I'm going to kind of lump this up into like two points. The whole opening, and I'm probably talking like 20, 30 minutes here, I just... I. I I say, I've said it a lot of times. I thought it was too cartoonish and it wasn't the movie that I was expecting to watch and it also wasn't the movie that I did watch in the back half of the film. Um, but also, like, really quickly, I just didn't think that I liked any of the characters. And, and for a lot of the film, that was probably the case. But it opened up with these pretty unlikable, even Kit, pretty unlikable characters uh, in this bizarre scenario and these weird scenes back to back that I just had no idea what was going on. So I'm, I'm going to lump the whole t- first 20, 30 minutes into a whole bit that I didn't like. Yeah, good call. Um, and then the other thing that I'm going to lump into a bit that I didn't like is I... I, I and sorry, apart from those two scenes that you called out with her parents, which, which do work, I, I'm not sure whether there was ever really any chemistry between any of the characters. Um, they all kind of seem to be existing on... Uh, different platforms and, and kind of trying to work with each other, but butting heads without even actually should, they shouldn't have been butting heads, but they were it just, it felt like they're all operating on different wavelengths. And uh, even, uh, you probably made the point about Virgil and, and Kit Look, certainly didn't feel like a romantic relationship. Um, and even the, the parents and, and Kevin and everyone, just like everyone was just not existing in the same wavelength, which, um, which I found really uncomfortable. Yeah, another excellent call. Yeah, good. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Nah,
0: that was. I think you, yeah, You. It's tough because like yeah, yeah it's, that's almost the whole film. <laughs> it was. Um, I know. Which, I'm, su- yeah. I'm summing up quite a lot <laughs> yeah. of stuff yeah. there. It, it was good though. I agree with her in like the start. I won't mention the specific things from the start, but I agree with you on that. Um, some specific things in the back end that because the back end was better, but some things that really frustrated me was like they're trying to set up this idea of Kit and Virgil sort of being together and there's a scene where they're outside at night in that stable that they've made and the mum's like yelling at her to come in for dinner. And then, um, you know, the mum calls her on the phone and she's like pretending that she's got bad reception. I was like, come on. Like God, that it bad, just yeah. was not, yeah, it was really bad. It was not funny. Um <laughs> there, There's a scene where um, Kit and Virgil, they go and buy hay and oh, yeah. it was, and it was not needed at all. It didn't, didn't add anything to the, the story at all. Like, and especially so the, they, they, like. <laughs> like, what do we need? A whole road trip. And they sing this song, or she sings this song in the car. She's oh, yeah. like, just cut that out. Like rubbish. Didn't didn't add anything to the, the story at all. Um uh, the presentation that she does at the end, um, where there's this sexist vacuum cleaner pitch with this sexy lady, and then her kit's big glitter um, you know over-the-top performance with dancing and all that sort of stuff it was just fully awkward for me and I, just, I i cringed I was sitting there cringing going this this is not going well um and just the commentary from the people around the boardroom table as well it was just what are we promoting in in this in this film
1: like um yeah just it's, it's a really good. good point I mean we didn't need it to be like oh yes you're so right you've got the job thanks for the way you think because I agree it was still I don't know how that's going to sell a vacuum cleaner, let's be perfectly honest. But mm. the idea that everyone's just like, yeah, nah, nah, I think if we do this, will we still have the the sexy housewife? Mm. it's like, what? Like, yeah. is that how we're going to leave these people? Like, mm. well, it was.
0: Uh, last thing was, uh, this was the... Where, <laughs> you mentioned it before that you sort of like the the understanding that, um, that Virgil had about Kit telling him about the, the unicorn, but... I just hated the way that she stormed off on him because he was nothing but understanding um, and supportive. Mm. And it was just, was not a reason f- to have this, you know, Oh, we need to separate them so they can get back together again. You needed something more than that. It just didn't work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. All right. The themes, ideas. I think that it, it's trying to say a lot. It's there's a lot in there. So what have you
1: got? That's it. it, it the th- and the things that it's saying can, can relate really good to what we see on screen, it just didn't quite work. But the idea, let's, you know, don't lose sight of the magic that you felt as a child. And and that should be applicable for everyone at at every single age. And, you know, don't fit into the boxes that society wants you to fit into, you know, be who you want to be, do what makes you happy. And there's people that are going to watch this film at a certain point of their life, even just a certain mindset that day when they watch it, this film is going to lock on for them. And no matter all the flaws that we think we've found, it's just that is going to resonate more than anything else. And that's that's pretty cool. And that's that's still something because um, it does go down to the idea of self-discovery and figuring out what makes you tick and you know, accepting others for who they are as opposed to just what you think they should be doing. Um, but it's funny because as much as they're trying to tell this story, Kit more or less isn't accepted uh, for who she is, and that boardroom scene's a great example of it. It's great that she expressed herself. It's great that she said, "If you don't want me, then I'm out." That's all well and good, but um, there's still some question marks about how well they actually do this job.
0: Yeah, I, I'll probably just rehash what you've said just in different words because you know that idea of that understanding your self worth and your purpose and your place in the world, and and there's a bit of this idea about love too. And you know, she understands she doesn't need a unicorn to understand what love is because she's met Virgil now, and and that all ties in with that idea too of that creativity and, and it pains me. Like I love creativity. I love the arts, but um, you know, and it's good that they try to have this message of standing out, being yourself, doing what, what works for you, um, you know, living up to your dreams and, and doing something that, that is purposeful for you. <laughs> but it just wasn't necessarily um, done in a way that was really inspirational to me, I guess. Um, and the last thing too, mm-hmm. like this, I and the whole film is about growing up and, um, and, and, turning your life around to head into adulthood i guess and i'm still not sure that i i feel confident that she's ready um to be honest because <laughs> that, that idea of uh, forgiving her parents still that yeah I, I i just yeah a lot of confusion at the end for me <laughs> so.
1: but she did say no to the unicorn that was a big step true that that's very true and she was very happy to
0: to tell the lady who had the card where to go so um it's a nice move from her yeah I just although i did kind
1: of wish <laughs> she got the unicorn
0: I just hope her and um, Virgil don't break up because who knows what's going to happen. I hope for Virgil's sake they do. (laughs) (laughs) She's tough work. He's an assistant manager now. That guy's going places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: Maybe that's what the story's about. (laughs) Uh, What did you take away from this one? I I actually think I'd be curious to watch this again. I'm worried that I completely misread or misinterpreted the first half of the film because... the second half of it really agree with me so maybe i was just thrown off a bit and a rewatch would help clear things up and if not then i'll walk away pretty disappointed in an idea that i think could have delivered so much more than it actually did um i just wonder whether i whether i go in there knowing how that first half plays out it doesn't feel as uh clunky and awkward because i know that's what they're trying to do maybe it works I don't know. I'm unsure. And I'm not in a hurry to watch it, but I just worry that I might've misinterpreted it in some, in some way. Although talking to you makes me feel going yeah, to less. I was going <laughs> to say, stop being so
0: critical of yourself. Cause obviously I've, I've taken the same thing out of it. So uh, I don't know if you're completely off the ballpark. I think maybe you, you did interpret it the right way. Um, maybe. Yeah. I, for me, I, I, I get why, um, this took two years to get a release. Like this is a real hard sell. <laughs> this is such a hard sell. Um, you know, I, it would not have done well with a theatrical release at all. Um, and I, and I, like you mentioned at the start, like I remember when this came out, and I was like, "Oh, cool, the trailer looks cool. This looks yeah. alright. I'll get into it." But I still don't know whether you know if that had a played at a cinema before a, another film, and I've been like, "Cool, I'll go say that." I would have been so disappointed if I sat in the oh, yeah. cinema for an hour and
1: a half watching this. So That's disappointed. A
0: really good point. Um, I'm Davey. Did you jump on to check anyone out?
1: Yeah, I did. I jumped on twice. A couple of familiar faces in this one. First one was, you know, that guy, Brock, who was kind of like the delivery guy at the workplace and then he just yep. joined in the presentation. The dancing. <laughs> in the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's in a bunch of TV stuff, but I recognize him from the movie Fantasy Island, which came out a couple of years ago with uh, Michael Penner. Um, he was really good in that. And yeah, he's, he's a likable kind of guy. Um, <laughs> the other one I did IMDb, but I didn't know, um, was... Sabrina, who was probably the other person that was in that presentation, who she worked with, was Martha McIsaac, who is Becca from Superbad, so the main, okay. oh, cool. one of the main girls that, uh, that Evan tries to, well, that Evan likes in Superbad, that's a nice way to put it. Um, I didn't go on because I was just so confident
0: that I had this one right. The dad was the dad from Get Out, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Bradley yeah good. yeah, good. All right, done. I didn't need to jump on that. That was the only one I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's him. Good. All right.
1: Um, yeah. Do you have any questions? He's in lots of stuff. <laughs> He's in heaps. Any questions you want to ask? Yeah. Do you think that this concept or even more specifically, this particular story would have worked better in more capable directorial hands? Ooh. <laughs> i don't want to be yeah, too it's, critical of it's a bit slanderish lasting, i know I, I know but yeah. but i'm watching this film thinking this has been poorly put together that's a lot of how i felt as you're saying that in my,
0: my mind's ticking and i'm like this maybe would have worked better as an animation um possibly if you know if you've got we, we mentioned at the start these characters almost seem cartoonish so mm. um you know if a yeah, I'm, and it's, it was PG, so it's a, it's a, there's not much language. There's no real inappropriate references. Maybe this could work better if it was in a cartoon form because then you'd actually see the characters more rather than change directors. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to yeah, be critical maybe. of Ray Larson. That's,
1: that's the only thing. Oh, look, my, my big thing is I don't know. I don't like the cartoony side of things. I yeah. would rather them be more based in reality. Um, and, and there's times where I'm like, is this, she, is she meaning to be this cartoony or is she just sort of getting it a little bit wrong? And I, I, look, I'm, I'm in no position to critique directorial work. I just, there's just something that didn't feel right for me in, in, in what is a story or a concept or an idea that I think could have, should have worked. And I wonder if that first half of the film felt like it was based more in reality. If Brie Larson didn't feel like an 11 year old in a, um, you know, twenty plus, twenty five plus woman's body. Maybe there's much, much more resonance in a, in that sort of film. So that's kind of how I feel with it. Yeah, I again,
0: it goes back to what we were talking about before. They they just needed to stick with that one idea the whole way through, rather yeah. than that switch up that we saw. But know, was it question. deliberate? That's that's my question though. Do you think that was deliberate, or was it just yeah? The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe it's yeah. more about the screen. Maybe it's more about the screenplay rather than the directing. Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> any Anything else you want to ask? Nah, that, that was I was, I was That was a ripper. I like that one. Um, <laughs> my, I've just taken a couple of ideas from the film and just try to bring up some, uh, some discussion maybe because the mum makes this comment. She goes, you know, the most grown-up thing that you can do is fail at the things you really care about. So have you like failed at something that you really cared
1: about and been really disappointed <laughs> about it? To um, it's it's a uh, look. Firstly, it's it's an excellent piece of advice that's really difficult to do in at the time. It's, it's very difficult to be, uh, it's very easy to be disappointed and you know, try not to learn a lesson for you from your failures. Uh, probably nothing huge, Jesse, for me, probably more just sporting stuff that I've done, yeah. Um, and you know, having the, the willpower to get back on the horse and get it done because. I think the best thing is every time you do fail it's never the end of the world and, and to keep that in mind that all right this didn't work this time maybe I'll try something else or maybe I'll just try again because it just because it didn't work doesn't mean you know something's wrong so that's probably a bit for me yeah I was exactly the same the the first thing that came to my mind was
0: a sporting story as well um, basketball grand final down by two fouled for three shots on <laughs> after the siren. <laughs> Um, for the chance to win the grand final. And I only hit one of the shots. So we lost um, that, that. That really hurt. <laughs> doesn't really sound hurt. like you've moved on either. Nah, that, when that's the first thing that comes to mind, it's like, oh, bloody hell. But I had a good game last night. So that's all good. <laughs> yeah. But it's also awesome not the end of the world. Nah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's almost time to wrap it up and bring it all together. And we give a rating out of five and come together with a Flix Forum average. So finish us off.
1: Before I do, how nervous were you on the free throw line? Massively, massively. Yeah. That, yeah. that walk,
0: that walk back from the free throw line to the bench was—it's like a walk of shame. It was horrendous.
1: So, which one did you hit?
0: The <laughs> um, second. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You must be <laughs> pumping. Why are we still talking about this? Give us your rating
0: for
1: this film, please. All right. So, look, the the ending did help. Um, The concept helped. And and I was on board with this movie eventually. I just, I can't overlook the clunky confusion that I felt for such a large chunk of this film. Uh, The characters kind of made little sense, didn't really work together. The ideas where I wasn't sure if they were trying to be ironic or philosophical or just flat out literal... I mean, I still don't even know. Um, it was just a bit all over the place for too long before it eventually did draw me in and I did connect with it eventually. So I'm still going to give it two and a half stars.
0: Nice. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've we've been on the same page most of this episode anyway, but yeah, the the start lost me. Uh, I think sometimes you really want this obstacle somewhere in a film for it to overcome. And I think that they tried to chuck in a couple of little obstacles right at the end and it happened sort of too late and, um, I mean, it did push through that nice message that was spoken about, even if it was too sugary sweet, too unrealistic, and too unreadable um, at times. I wouldn't be rushing out to see this one, but I'll still give it a two out of five, um, which will yeah. give us a 2.25 average, which isn't too bad, I guess. That's
1: a nice, I think that's where it should sit, at uh, 2.25. Yeah, yep. I was very close to going one and a half, so um, <laughs> very close. Well, uh, yeah, we fair, are I was there. very close to doing it too as well
0: yeah it's yeah it's a tough one um we're on social media we've got twitter we've got facebook we have instagram um the pop post up follow us give us a like if you can question i just want to put out there this week is what does the unicorn actually represent what does it what like a part of of sorry not break of kit's life what, what does it actually represent
1: i think it just represents the, the magic of childhood and, and the childhood. ability to still believe in that Yep. yeah what about maybe her soul? Is,
0: it, is that her soul? That's the, her, It's been so indented in her whole life. All she wanted as a kid was this unicorn from her parents. They didn't give it to her. This is that whole reason why she hates her parents. Cause they never got her a unicorn. This guy comes out of nowhere and he's like, I can get you a unicorn. He gets her a unicorn and she realizes, look, I can get what I want. Um, I'm happy to let this go now because I'm happy to, to take my soul myself and go with it. I don't know. Who
1: knows? I think that's a wonderful concept. Although I was worried for a second when you said, I think it's her soul. I'm like, but she didn't leave with it. So at least yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm she I'm- sort of found it. <laughs> Found
0: it, yeah. Found oh, our own <laughs> sense of worth. That, that could have been a woeful ending. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, good. All right, well, we're back again next week. We have another film, but this one's going back to 2019. We've got a teen rom-com, which is The Perfect Date, and um, this is directed by Chris Nelson, and it stars one of our favourite Netflix heartthrobs, um, Noah Centineo, as well as Laura Morano, Odysseus Georgiadis, Camilla Mendes, and Matt Walsh.
1: Whoa,
0: so excited. Welcome back, Noah. I've seen this one. Um yeah? Yeah. My wife made me watch it um when it came out. So I've got uh, memories of this one which I won't talk about too much. Excellent. I will uh I'll be checking it out for the first time. Good. Well, um, as usual, good chat. Um can't believe we spoke this long about this film. It's almost
1: as long as the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Good work, mate. I'll see you next week. Sounds good, bye